Welcome to my podcast. <laughs> Thank you for allowing me to be here, Clay. Anytime. Hello, race fans, and welcome to the Gravity Cooperative's Hot Seat Podcast, your home for the people and stories that fuel U.S. downhill racing. We're the crew that bring you downhill race replay shows from top races across North and Central America. We've had a ton of fun on the podcast so far, and if you're brand new to the Gravity Cooperative's Hot Seat, welcome. So stoked to have you listening, and if you're a returning listener, Thank you guys so much for being a part of this show and for telling your friends and your crew about it. I've been having a blast. I'm your co-host, Will Washam, and I'm here as always with Drew Hager. Drew, how are you doing, my friend? Will, I'm doing great. I hope that you are as well. Very happy to be here with you again this evening. Yeah, I'm doing awesome. We had a great weekend here uh, just north of Charlotte, North Carolina with some sunny skies, temperatures popping into the low 60s and got out on a bike ride, got out on a hike with my daughter. So couldn't have been a better weekend. Only one thing we were missing was local downhill racing, but we had some Red Bull Hardline uh, to really whet the appetite there for the downhill season. Man, Hardline was wild. I... I don't even know what to say about it, except for I had many uh, edge of the seat moments just watching even Gracie's run. I mean, that's just it's bananas. I, I can't believe that that Red Bull uh, is so irresponsible to let people <laughs> race on a track that people should be free riding. Yeah, it was quite a spectacle. Yeah, quite a spectacle. But let's jump right in, Will. Transfer and team announcement season is over. The preseason is over. Racing, domestic racing begins this weekend in Sequatchie, Tennessee at the Trials Training Center with the very first downhill southeast race of the season. Yeah, that's right. And the Gravity Cooperative crew I know is fired up about it. Uh, We had a little pre-race podcast with Nico Malali last week. If you haven't heard that, tune in to get all the details about the race at the Trials Training Center. We go into a little bit of the history of the racing there. Uh, But what I can say as a quick recap is this is the sixth Downhill Southeast race at Trials Training Center. That's the ninth season of Downhill Southeast overall. And we've seen some pretty illustrious winners here in the past. Nico Malali's won two. Lucas Shaw's won two. Chris Grice has a win from last year on the pro men's side. And uh, Frida Ronning has taken three wins at the Trials Training Center. Shel Peugeot and Abby Ronka are, are our other two winners on the elite women's side. And Drew, it's it's a stacked field. There's 26 pro men registered already, and, and that's a really solid field for early in the season. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, that's a solid field. And it, for anybody that listened to the pre-race podcast with Nico, uh, he was calling this kind of a low turnout race because it's early in the season, and it's out in the middle of nowhere. So, I mean, if, if we're pulling that kind of a crowd there, I think that... Uh, that speaks volumes for how the rest of the season's going to go. Some good momentum to get this thing going. Yeah, can't wait to see it unfold. Nine pro women as well as I look at the registration list. And you know, Drew, we've got a ton of great regional racing coming up this year. And we just heard another new announcement with the Southwest Downhill Series. They made their announcement on Instagram. It's a four-race series based primarily in California this year, uh, bringing some great venues to the table. 
Uh, so that's just another regional series that's popping up. Wish them the best success down there. Uh, hopefully we can talk to somebody from that series a little bit later on this year on the Hot Seat Podcast. But you add that to the regional series of the Northwest Cup, Downhill Rockies, Downhill Southeast, Eastern States Cup. We've got some great coverage there. And that's kind of, I mean, that is the foundation of U.S. downhill racing. But we're not quite as top-heavy as we used to be. There's a little bit of a hole at the top of the downhill racing pyramid in the U.S. this year as there's no World Cup stop in the United States. Snowshoe is not on the calendar, but I think we've got just the remedy to fill in that hole at the top of the U.S. downhill racing pyramid, Drew. Yep. This week's episode, Mangler speaks with Clayton Harper about the U.S. Open, the Monster Pro Downhill Series, and... uh other things to come. Yeah, I'm really excited to hear from Clay. And folks that don't know Clay Harper, well, he, he's going to get into it with Mangler, I'm sure. But the guy's just been at it behind the scenes in U.S. Downhill since 2003. And, and before that, too. But he founded Diablo Freeride Park, which had an amazing run, I think, up until 2011 or 12 at, um, at what is now known as Mountain Creek. Uh, a lot of the bones of that park are what Clay and his crew built uh, with Diablo Freeride Park. Uh, he's also the founder of the U.S. Open, which has provided so many epic U.S. downhill moments over the years. And his latest project is the Monster Energy Pro Downhill Series, the new national downhill series in the United States. Drew, I can't wait to hear from him. Let's go hear from Clay Harper and Mangler. Clay, dude, you're a big mover and shaker in the mountain bike scene. A lot of behind the scenes stuff, but everyone knows who you are. And uh, I don't really think I have to give much of an intro for you, but kind of give us a little intro. What's Clay do? (laughs) That's funny. I feel like I'm at a a family party with extended family and I have to explain what I do for a living. So I own my own small agency called Red Eleventeen. And a whole nother story as to why that's the name. But the primary thing I do is own and operate race productions in the mountain bike world, starting with the U.S. Open of mountain biking mm-hmm. and now the new Monster Energy Pro Downhill Series. Um, but then I also do some other stuff. I consult for some bike brands here and there. I'm the sport organizer for mountain biking for X Games. I do some ambassador stuff because... I guess some people still want to see me ride a bike once in a while. You do. <laughs> You're one of the X-Up crew. <laughs> X-Up for life. Yes. Well, cool. Awesome. Got to know you pretty good over the past like year and a half or so doing, you know, through Downhill Southeast, uh, Tennessee National, and working on the U.S. Open with you was a, was a really good time. I do have a bit of a curveball question for you. <laughs> you asked me ahead of time. I've heard two people refer to you as Clayton. Ah, so your dad and Spomer. Okay. So this is actually really funny. So, uh, my name is Clayton, uh, C-L-A-Y-T-O-N. And I just grew up as that. And then I always like clay better. So I just introduced myself as clay and it's usually people who've known me for a really long time. will pull out Clayton and it's comical because I've seen a few people you know, over the years that I haven't seen in 20 years. And they'll say, who the hell's Clay? (laughs) 
So it's I answer to either. It's fine. But like when my mother or father are calling me, it is Clayton. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. So let's jump into it. The U.S. Open's like your big race, and you've been doing that for a while. And what got that started? Oh, so I think that we'll we'll do the the Cliff Notes version here because it's a probably a podcast in itself. The U.S. Open, but the way the U.S. Open started was I raced as a I, I call myself a slow pro or back of the pack pro, mid pack pro, the late '90s into the early 2000s, and I was. Just I, I wasn't really thrilled with where the where the industry was going at that point, right? Like we had just ended the boom of the nineties. You could tell like the the wheels were coming off Norba Nationals. It was just getting to a tough, tough part in the um the history of, of US mountain bike racing. And I was really frustrated. I got hurt twice pretty bad, and I was frustrated that both times I was racing for a two hundred dollar prize. And I was like, this is just ridiculous. So I stepped away from racing. I started Diablo Freeride Park at Mountain Creek. And oh shit. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> and that's also probably a podcast in itself, just right down to why we call it Diablo Freeride Park. So I was at that time, I was no longer racing. I just didn't have time. We were full blown, just bike park. Um, it, was, it was just such an awesome moment in history like the the timing is always the most important thing like right down to what we're doing this year i think timing is our number one attribute and when we started that that bike park diablo in in 2003 was just like i i I think people who weren't around couldn't possibly understand what mountain bike parks were like then it was like there was no women and children it was make trails that go straight down the hill aim for every rock it was like Mountain Dew and hardcore music. Like it was just so, it was just like the most. Like, I've ridden those old janky original yeah, it was, trails. <laughs> it was a rugged time. But anyway, we had this park going. I loved racing, but I wasn't racing. And I was very angry at Norba and, and everything else that was going on just because I had so much passion for it and it wasn't panning out. And also just being from the East Coast, born and raised in New Jersey, just a chip on my shoulder because it always felt like, nobody respected you and it was so hard to get into the industry and so i said we're just going to do we're going to do a race we're going to have this this race is going to be um open class not all these classes it's going to have money and the prize money is going to be bigger than any other race and we planned a thing out we did it I, i had a partner in the business at that time and we we like planned the whole event and then realized there was no u.s open of mountain biking and decided to call it that. It was not the inverse. We didn't say, hey, let's make a US Open of Mountain Biking. Didn't happen like that at all. It was a passion project to make a race that was different, and that name just jumped out at us because it hadn't been used before. And so- Kind of like the Hot Seat Podcast? <laughs> similar, yes. <laughs> I was not, my timing was not good on that one, though. You beat me to it. Yep. Um, it's an awesome name. Thank everybody you. Everybody listening. I'm a little jealous of the podcast name. So. We did that and it just took off. Uh, you know, we had a lot of my connections from racing. I was racing on the Iron Horse team. Like I was on that, like before Iron Horse blew up, you know, before it was like, became just iconic. Sam and Bryn and all those other guys. 
I was a part of that team and then I left and then that next iteration was like the big World Cup team. Okay, but yeah. I still had all the connections with the company and so they brought their athletes. Bryn Atkinson won the first US Open from, you know, coming from overseas and it just set the tone and and we threw wild parties and it was cool and it just took off. I actually stepped out of the industry for a while in the mid 2000s just simply it was economics. We just weren't making great money and I had started to build trails with excavators and realized that I could do better putting in driveways and septics. And then I started flipping houses and I got fully out of the, out of the bike industry for quite a while. Um, and it wasn't until 2016 that I actually reacquired the U S open and brought it back. So trust me, there is, I am skipping hundreds of pages in that story. That's okay. (laughs) But that, that's, that's how we got to where we're at here. Um, and then in 2017, we relaunched it at Mountain Creek, and that was just amazing. Uh, Nico came down, Nico Malali won that race, and it just was electric. It was just like one of the most, just one of the best feeling finishes I've ever been at a, at a race in the U.S. And it just took off. Fox loved what we were doing. Fox came on as the title partner, and it's just kind of we survived covid we survived wildfires we've had a lot of stuff we've moved from california back to vermont it's proven that through like adversity change in ownership change in the industry change in sponsors everything it just kind of keeps trucking along it's got a heartbeat of its own um sometimes people always say to me oh, it's so awesome you own the U.S. Open of mountain biking, and I feel kind of more like I'm just lucky to be the steward of it. Like, it's really cool. I don't take a lot of time with everything I do to really think about how cool it is because it's it's all, it's all so much work. Like, I'm just working 24-7, and it's a lot of risk and stuff with it, but sometimes I like to just think, like, damn, it's really cool that I get to be attached to this U.S. Open, but I yeah. don't feel like I own it i don't feel like that at all i feel like it's like it's a thing of the people like i could go away and that thing would continue on let's hope that doesn't happen <laughs> cool all right so you some u.s open history there last year was my first time going to it i've been a big killington fan i'm also a big diablo fan <laughs> i will always geotag diablo when i do instagram oh, posts <laughs> for mountain creek nice uh but that race has such a good vibe and I know everyone there is thinking, why can't all races be like that? So is that kind of what led you to wanting to do like a more national series? Well, yes and no. I I guess I would start to say like there's one U.S. Open of tennis, one U.S. Open of golf, you know, one U.S. Open of surf. Like you can't can't have too many. It would ruin it. Exactly. Um, And I would never do that. The series is born from the u.s open but it's not a model of the u.s open okay. it's never going to be and it wasn't intended to be it's the energy like take the the energy of it and get more big races across the country but to say that we could do we couldn't we could never get that kind of like excitement about multiple races like there's the, just like the way it pulls on people's heartstrings so like the impetus for the series and i've been working on this for you know probably since 2017, uh, you know, I've really wanted to do it. Okay. But it's been a timing thing because this, the way mountain biking at the high, downhill mountain bike racing at the highest level in the U.S. has worked since the collapse of the Norba Nationals has just been this 
crazy structure of all these independently owned races and then different, whether it's individuals or sanctioning body, people without good financing to really control a whole series, try to wrangle a bunch of events together. And we've just had a lot of inconsistency, a lot of great events, but inconsistency with a series and, and just like an inability to provide athletes with a consistent series that they can build their careers off of. And so that was really what we wanted. And also just the fact that I love what I do and I want to do more races. <laughs> like I want to make it bigger and better. That was the reason for the Pro Downhill Series. Like how we got to where we are and why 2024 is the year for it is a little more complex, right? Like I guess if we never had like the pandemic and all that shut down, like maybe this would have happened earlier, but it just needed to be right. And, and some things have happened in the industry over the recent years from the pandemic, from the athletes in the US really just kind of being tired of having to go to Europe to have a career and not having even the stepping stone from local races to that, even if that is what they want to do. And then the, the, the number one, like the number one point that we focus on, and, and this is how I got Monster Energy on as a partner and where we started with this is I, I, I own and operate the US Open. I worked for Mountain Creek running their national. I worked for Sean and Nico running the Tennessee national. I've run nationals at Killington all over the country, you know, in California, um, Colorado. And over the past five years, it's been incredible to see the junior ranks grow. And now we're at this point where Man, the under 18 racing in the US is crazy. The 15 to 16 class is the most exciting class to watch on the hill. The numbers are huge, it's growing. And we're just seeing fallout after that because these kids have nowhere to go, right? So they have nowhere to go within the country. If they don't happen to be a phenom that gets put on this team and pulled to Europe and, and, and basically groomed to be a World Cup rider, they don't have a spot to race in the US. And that was the number one reason that we, took the leap this year because it's a risk. You're running races, you're starting new businesses, it's a risk. But that was the number one reason is we finally got to a point where I feel like we have enough kids coming up that we have a like a basically a crop of riders that's going to fill a national series and create professional downhill athletes that have careers in the US. And Monster Energy actually came to me with like a request to help with that problem because they were seeing it, you know, in their monster army ranks. Yeah. They get these kids, they're great. Like, what do they do after 16, after they, 17 years after old? They hit they, the elite yeah, age level. They're just like, eh, oh, well, I'll go ride dirt bikes or do something else or get a job. <laughs> and so, like, it was just weird. It became very evident. And it's cool. To me, I think it's really interesting. A lot of people think that we started this series to compete with the World Cup or they think that we're trying to do it just for the pros. That is important. We want to have pros here. We're not trying to out World Cup the World Cup. That we could not do that. My budget for one of uh, my budget for my entire season is less than one World Cup event. So like we're not doing that. But the core, core base foundation of what we're doing is for all those kids under 18. They're in the sport. And like I look, you know, I have a son who's 14. He races. I think about what what's good for him and I think about what I wish I had when I was a kid and it's 
the number one reason we do this. So I don't think a lot of people know that. I think people see the flashiness of the name of it and all the things we're doing, and they think that we're trying to try to get all the pros to come and race it year one and make it big. We do want the pros, and it will happen, and it will grow, but it would be a suicide mission to just come out and with, focus on that and only focus on that and try to like say hey don't race the world cup come race our series that would be crazy that would never be the goal the goal is to provide a platform for the kids coming up and where that goes we'll see all right but you have hopefully tried to persuade some pros to come. oh <laughs> <laughs> of course yeah i mean we pay prize money you know with the u.s open we pay arguably the biggest prize money yeah absolutely like and it's been nice too like a lot of pros have reached out to me, like I, Greg Menard, for instance, you know, not even in the U.S., thinks it's great what we're doing, chatted with me. Um, we've had a few phone calls. I get a lot of advice from him, things he wishes he would see in a series. And, you know, Nico Mullally's just from day one been part of this, a, a real, like, just part of the foundation of it, for lack of a better phrase. And a lot of, a lot of pro athletes are very interested in it. We've had outreach from all over the world about coming to race this thing from amateur level, like amateurs coming from New Zealand to race this, and then European pros coming to race it, a bunch of Canadian pros coming to race it. So there's there's a ton of interest, and we will cater to them, and we will put on an amazing event for the pros, and they are the focus of the day, and like they are the show. But the reason we took the leap was because we saw an opening in this country where we have all these kids coming up, and they have nowhere to race. That's awesome. Yeah, not nowhere to race. There's amazing regional series. So let's not say that. Downhill Southeast, Northwest Cup, Eastern States Cup, the new Southwest Downhill, the Rockies. Like there's amazing regional racing. And it's it's that's why we have all these athletes. Yeah. Like they're coming out of them. I'm not creating athletes. These regional series are creating athletes like a factory now. And we just want to have a, a, you know another building block, another higher step in the pyramid for them. Well, you know, my next question was like, give us some details on the series, but you've kind of done that. <laughs> I gave you some, I gave you some reasoning for the series. Yeah. Yeah. How's the series? Like, is it a point series? Like how are things kind of breaking down that way? Yep. So it's pro and amateur racing, um, with points chases in all categories. And, um, you know, so we'll have, we'll crown overall champions and the structure and all that'll be, uh, you know, on our website and available to read. And, and it's going to get refined as we go on. I mean, granted, there's just uh, so many ways to do that, right? Like, yeah. so we're going to work through and figure out what works best for for this series as it grows. Because right now we're four events. Ultimately, I think we want to be six, and we're going to increase the West Coast number of events. Um, so the mechanics of it are pro and amateur, and the actual racing itself is going to function just, you know, largely like like a normal national race has over the years. We don't have any tricks up our sleeves. We're not adding semifinals or doing anything Nothing weird. <laughs> pure, want- pure racing. That's what it is. And one other thing I should say, back to your earlier question about, you know, is this the recreation of U.S. Opens? Like, are we going to duplicate the U.S. Open? The only event on the series with all those, like with the best whip and with the dual slalom is the U.S. Open. The okay. other stops are downhill only. That's the focus. And there's a couple of reasons for that. But the number one reason is we want to do the best we can at that. That is our goal. That's our, our main focus is downhill. And like, if you go to sporting events in other, just other sports, you know, you don't, you don't watch 
multiple disciplines. You know, you go to a supercross race, you got to watch supercross. Right? And so like, that's what the focus is. Uh, the US Open will always be that festival and have other events with it though. We've also had the big mountain enduro series come out with their national level downhill series. How do you think, do you think that's supportive of what you're doing? I get this question a bunch, and this is interesting to me. We started working on what we're doing years ago. I don't know when they started working on it, but it just came out. It's the first I'm hearing of it this year. I think it's great. I think more racing is great. We are the USA Cycling National Championship. Like the Monster Energy Pro Downhill Series is the National Championship Series. So the concept of, oh, National Series versus National Series, it's not necessarily like that. They have a a national enduro platform and they're adding downhill to it, which in turn makes it a national series, right? It goes across the country. I, I think it's great. Like some people try to pick, like pick at it and get me to be like, Oh, does that upset you? Like, I, don't, I don't think so. Like it's, it's fantastic. I don't, we don't even have a single crossover date. So exactly. Yeah, it's, and, and I'm not looking to do anything like that. So it's fine. I, I don't know in the future, like how that'll work with dates. They have a lot more events than us and mm -hmm. I don't know how many they're adding that to, but I think it's great. I think that they have an opportunity right now, just like we do with downhill with Enduro, where the global, like everything globally is kind of changing, you know, with mm -hmm. Discovery and the way they're operating. People are looking to race in the country. You know, there's a lot of high-level athletes that want to race within our country. And the last decade, they were all just leaving the country to race because they all wanted to race at these European races and around the world. And it's great. But... We also have a lot of people who want to race in the country. So I think that like BME is positioned to probably be uh, just a app, like a, col a colossal enduro series. And if they have downhill with it too, then I'm sure people will race it. So that'd be good. Cool. Awesome. Let's jump into some, some series details. We've got the first race coming up here in a couple of weeks, right down the road, across the, across the mountain over on Rock Creek. Rick and Creek. Rick Creek. What made you choose this location? Because you stole a downhill southeast race. <laughs> I was given a downhill southeast race date. I did not steal it. Okay. Uh, I love Rock Creek. So I, you know, helped with the bringing the national championship, the USA Cycling National Championship there last year. It's such a unique venue. Like it's just, it's just different. It's unlike anything else, you know. It reminds me a lot of the early days of Highland Mountain, you know, bike park that's not a ski resort. It's just got such a really cool vibe to it. Like I said earlier, I work closely with Nico on a lot of projects and a lot of things. Um, we have a really high level of trust. And so he trusts me with events. I really trust him with track, bike park, and athlete relatability. And just like, I, I enjoy working with him. And so when we're looking for a venue, it just makes perfect sense, you know. And they built that place. It's it's interesting location. It's it's remote. It's not what people are expecting. But one of like the the absolute um, just like reasons that they did it and the foundation of the whole like the business plan, for lack of a better phrase, is to bring events there, right? Because they know it's it's off the beaten path for you know a lot of the people in the country, right? So how do we get well, them there? It was yeah, it, well it was, but I mean, so how do you get them there? How do you get people to come and take a look at it? You throw big events, yeah. Um, so it was like right from the beginning, that's what they wanted to do, and now the business has really taken off. You know, it's there today and. It's always it's always buzzing every time I'm there, and it's an interesting track too. You know, like Nico built that track; it's very purpose built. So, yeah. like the terrain's not aggressive there, but the track is. Yeah. So go figure, right? But I think it's cool the way it, it it can eat people's lunch. Like people will underestimate it, and then 
they'll struggle to do well in a race there. Yeah, it's definitely a tough course. Um, I've barely ridden that track because I don't know if the current setup is like this, but Nico has said in the past, like, I didn't build this to be a fun track. I built it to like be hard. And that doesn't tick my box. <laughs> can, can I? Well, listen, I rode it today to test some of the stuff, the new stuff, but like it was really hard for me um, at this stage of my quote career on a bike to not just want to steer over to the jump trail because that's typically what I ride. <laughs> um, but like I, I think that the track has like some big compressions in it. It has some now it has some off camber to it that's kind of brutal it has a few things that make it just it's it's built it's built for for challenging racers and i don't think i think it's good it doesn't get a lot of use all the time you know and that's the way bike park business is now you know what i mean like racetracks don't get a lot of use unless there's an event yeah the occasional racer training on it but typically Mm -hmm. people are there to ride the jump trails yeah i think a lot of us when we ride that trail we'll ride like the top half of it and then we'll kind of find our way onto carolyn's spectator trail that she built (laughs) so speaking of things like this let's just take a second to to highlight nico's character do you remember the infamous berm he taped off on the track last year yes (laughs) such a nasty move oh man I said, I remember I put that in my Instagram story and I was, I filmed it and I was like, you know how I know you're an asshole? And then I just cut to that. <laughs> but no, he, he is extremely interested and focused on doing what's right for racing. And he does not care what somebody who's not racing, like what they think. Because there's m- more people in the sport now that aren't racing and they're going to see a track and they're going to you know, run their mouth or get on the keyboard and bitch about this and that. But they don't understand the purpose of it. Exactly. You know? And the purpose of it is to is to build a track that hosts a good race. Yeah. And rarely, if ever, does that also match the needs of a free rider. You call me a free rider now? Maybe. <laughs> I said I don't ride it too much either. <laughs> a question I've seen mentioned when it comes to courses and I know the U.S. Open, everybody rides one course, but will Correct. there be separate course features or good sections? Good question. It's a really good question. There will we will do one course, so but we will have different sections and go arounds on every single feature. Okay. It's kind of it's been, and I wouldn't say like this is this is something we're gonna stay with forever because maybe we don't. But keeping everyone on one track, but building a track that has lines to get around everything so there's just more lines lines to go around features lines to go over the hardest features sometimes it's two hard lines you have to pick between for the pro athletes and one really easy one to get around for the people who can't do it it's hard it's it's harder to run a race with two completely different tracks right so there's that operational thing but it's also nice to give like the cat two three athletes as much of that pro level track as that they was can handle. What I was yeah. thinking, yeah. And we really learned that with the US Open. And the U the US Open track, I mean, just to touch on that for a second, I took so much heat on that. Oh my god. I got just ripped apart when we moved it back to Killington and we were on that that track. And I knew the track was gonna be fun and I just 
couldn't like a lot of people just were just discounting it. But then we went to race time and it was awesome. Like it took out some of the best pros in the world because Mm -hmm. they underestimated it. It's easy to ride, hard to race. And I think that no matter what the track is, you don't want an easy track. You don't you don't want a track that's a joke. You don't want a track that's too easy. But it needs to be, in my opinion, not ridiculous either. You want people to race against each other, not the track. That's a good point. Yeah. And you know, I actually just had a really long <laughs> conversation about this with Nico today. Because he runs two courses at Downhill Southeast. Correct, yeah. But, but for a national level race, you know, you should be coming up through your regional race program. You know, you need to be racing. It's <laughs> There will be some of this, but theoretically, you know, it's kind of tough if a national race is your first race. You know, and right now there is no, um, to speak more about the structure of, of this, Right now, it's it's open entry. There's caps, so like pay attention. You know, you can't mm-hmm. um, don't sleep on it. You don't sleep on it because there's there's different caps for different categories too. And we have to do that in order to keep enough openings to get the pros in because uh, we could fill up with cat two threes. Yeah. But the reality is that as the sport continues to develop, and these are national level races, which is the pinnacle, you know, in this country, and and we will will likely be instituting in the future some sort of uh, qualifying to get into these events okay simply because we can't run more than four or five hundred people typically you know maybe we'll get to a two-day format where we can do different things but if you look back at the way like the norman nationals used to be you had to do some qualifying to get in and it's nothing crazy but you had to do regional Show some races. results or something yeah you like had that. to have points from regional races and we'd like to get back to that now that these regional races are so strong I think we will see that in probably, you know, three years from now. Okay. We will start to see that. But right now it's open to everybody and we encourage everybody to come out. And if you can get a spot in the race, you know, come do it for sure. It's going to be cool to see everybody tackle that course. <laughs> it's, it's daunting, but there is a way down. If you, you may not be able to select the pro line, you may have to take a slightly slower line for self-preservation, but there is a line down there's a roller roller line through the entire track you don't have to hit anything you've been down here this past week working out at rock creek doing some course stuff checking out details and everything so i mostly talk on my phone and watch nico i just need to say that because otherwise he'll he'll call me out he will yep uh (laughs) how, how are things looking on some of the new course updates and stuff oh it's awesome the the dirt out there is so good and um you know like Nico uh, has been out there with like Hayden and Garrett and and the whole team. They've just been like, I don't want to say they haven't been paving the track by any means. There's actually some blown out sections that Nico will smack you with a shovel if you even try to touch. But there's there's a lot of the stuff has been reworked. There's some really good fresh jumps and berms. Two completely new sections that, that will be brand new for this race to really switch up the track from national champs track. okay good yeah um and then he'll go back to the other ones for national champs interesting yeah um just a little teaser the rock staircase is not in this race oh <laughs> interesting is, okay now that, that's one of the new sections we replaced it with an off-camber section so don't get too excited Ooh. <laughs> to give like a self-plug like what's media look like for this race because you and i've been working on this for we for have quite a few months now yeah yeah so i'm, I'm actually really excited about this component of it because I've never had a chance with just the U.S. Open standalone to really kind of like expand the media offering. So we are going to have obviously all of our normal social media, Instagram, Facebook, everything with it. But we're now launching a YouTube channel specific for this series. 
we're working with with you guys with the Gravity Co-op, and we're doing full race coverage on each race, which will start with podcasts leading in. We have a vlog series you can watch during the during the weekend or anytime. That'll be <laughs> that'll be anything from serious look at the track to absolute comedy outtakes. So it'll be just entertaining. Um, we have our um, Continental Tires track walk. We have press conference, which is a new thing we're bringing that we're going to do this year with athletes. A lot of exciting stuff. I think it's going to be refreshing to people. I think it'll take a couple events before we get people tuned into understanding that this content is all available to watch, um, especially because you know we're starting the YouTube channel from scratch. But the goal is to build up this YouTube channel to be like a real home for all content related to this series and then all information and then commentary related to it. And so like right now we're kind of creating the race coverage and the shoulder content. But the goal is with this to see more podcasters want to talk about the series. More people want to do pieces on it. At this stage of the game, we have no problems with people filming their own stuff at the race, you know what I mean, and putting it out. Maybe in the future if we have TV deals or or media rights we need to deal with, we will have to change that. But as of right now, we're just looking to encourage like a more robust just group of people focused on it. Like I'm a huge Moto fan. When you watch, I watch Supercross and then like, man, the three or four days after that, I'm like this podcast, that podcast, that guy's highlights. What's that guy's opinion of it? You know, cause I want more of it. And so we're trying to create more of that around us mountain biking. Cause we just haven't had it. We haven't had enough of it. You know? Yeah. All of us at the gravity co-op, we're super excited to embark on this. And, uh, you know, we got some good ideas flowing, so. I'm excited. It's going to be really fun. It's going to be cool. I'm a little a little nervous, you know. I got to do a little bit of camera time, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a dear friend of mine, Lars Tribune, coming on to help us with a lot of the on like on-site stuff and then some of the podcasting and some of the interviewing and track walk stuff. We're going to have – I think we're going to mix it up. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to take us probably a year to figure out you know, like we're like a like Bambi stepping up with the new legs right yeah. now. Like till we figure out exactly what works in all respects, what people want to see more of, what we want to see less of and stuff. But our goal is just to put out a lot. Nice. Well, we're looking forward to it. Another race that we're looking forward to is the Mountain Creek National. That's been on the national calendar for a while now. And then mm-hmm. you're including in, in the Monster Pro Downhill Series. So talk to us about that one. Yeah. So the Mountain Creek uh, you know, Mountain Creek itself was what Diablo became, obviously, yeah. right? So us old heads know that. But Mountain Creek is one of the longest continuing national race venues in the U.S. Maybe the longest continuing, I believe. I can't think of – it has to be. It, it is the longest. So I wish I knew off the top of my head how many years it was, but I don't. It's your home track. Yeah, it's my home track. I, I live there. So it's really good for me. Like I'm very happy that we're able to include this. I – Work, I've worked closely with Mountain Creek since 2003, um, actually since 99. And they were, you know, in that old system I was talking about, they were owning and operating their own race. I was hired to come and run it for them. And when I took on this mission of, of this full series, you know, with, with single ownership and like a consistent series, they were instantly like, right, we're on board. Just come do it here. Dude, awesome. So it was easy, you know. We've had really the, – the four venues we're using this year are all venues that I've had long-term relationships with, and it's it, it makes a big difference. So, uh, Course updates. I know you guys were, like, looking at some new stuff. Uh, Mount Creek. Yeah, yeah. before <laughs> snow fell. 
Shout out George Ryan. Um, oh, so, always. Yeah, George Ryan, man. There's an OG. Only man to have raced every U.S. Open. Last man standing. Is he getting the 21 plate next year? I mean, yeah, why not? I, yeah. I hadn't thought about Sure, yeah, he better. Um, well, it's tough because, yeah, I guess, yeah, 21 plates, what he should get. So we are exploring, like, different options and what we're going to do. We haven't settled yet. Um, George and I had two different ideas. I think we're coming together on it now. Um, we had a nice little window. I, I say nice little window with no snow. Mountain Creek doesn't want to hear that, but there was a window of no snow. And so we spent some time out there. Those are the clips everybody saw on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And we explored some new stuff, which is cool. George had some ideas he's wanted to pull out for a decade. Um, and it's cool. I think that what we're going to end up with is going to be sections a lot of sections of the 2017 u.s open track and some new stuff cool. so i i'm excited about that one it's, it's just always a fun race and people love mountain creek i don't know how to explain it it's just like the race course is a, it's a racer's course they love it you know it's it's got a lot of like real aggressive rock sections in it you know yeah. like we always have that and it's definitely not an easy track um but pro racers come from all around the world, and they're always like, oh, I love it here. I love it here. And people love the fast lift. It's good. I'm excited. The lift is pretty sick at Mountain yeah. Creek. That, makes, that does help a ton. It allows people like me and my crew to do free ride party laps in between filming sessions. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's good. I mean, it's funny. Everybody always makes fun of me. I'm the guy that down here, like I show up at Rock Creek at 4.30, and they're like, the day's over. And I'm like, oh, I guess you're right. At home, I show up to Mountain Creek at 4.30, I'll get six laps in, you know, like it's, so it's just yeah. comical. Like it, it spoils you. You get used to that cabriolet lift and it definitely warps your perception of how many laps you can get in. Yeah. All right. So moving on, when the series was announced, there was this mystery SoCal race on the calendar. Lots of, lots of keyboard comments trying to speculate, but, uh, it was pretty, I didn't even ask you. I think I just like looked to see who, the pro downhill series was following on Instagram and it immediately told me who that, that SoCal race First was. First of all, you found the Easter egg we hid. <laughs> Second of all, shout out keyboard warriors. Yes. So we're returning to uh, snow summit in big bear Lake, California, which is, I have unfinished business there. I love that town. Um, the people in, in the visitors bureau there and at snow summit, um, it's awesome. Uh, Clayton, to, you know, that's the, the guy's name there. Who, who, oh, who the great name. guy there is Clayton, which is interesting since that's my name and I rarely meet people with the same name as me. But um, the whole reason that I say we have unfinished business there is if your listeners don't know, we moved the U.S. Open out there in 2019 with a three-year contract, had an awesome event in 2019, closed down for the pandemic in 2020, came back in 21 to be closed down three weeks before the event for uh, national forest closure due to wildfires. So I have unfinished business there. <laughs> and that's such a bummer that that happened. Yeah, it was. It was. But that town, that, that town, that track that, well, the track's new, but the mountain has so much history. Just like people who are new to the sport have no idea. I mean, it was essentially the birthplace of of downhill racing to some degree. I mean, it could be argued to be the birthplace if, you know, okay, depending on your viewpoint, but the weather's always perfect. Track is definitely dry. So if you don't know how to ride, you know, dust and loose, better practice. Ooh. And it's just a good time. It's a great place to hang out to downtown, the village. It's fun. 
cool. Awesome. We're really looking forward to getting out there. I've never been up there before. It's also, it's higher than people think, you know, it's eight, 8,000 feet, I think. So, um, it's pretty funny. I think people underestimate cause it's They're so like, close. Oh, California. Yeah. It's so close to LA. It's like, it's, it's not, it's not that bad. And then you get up, people get up there and they're like, I'm out of breath. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're at 8K. Yeah. It's definitely up there and the roads getting up there are crazy too. So nice. And uh, we have actually something worth mentioning is, um, the Southwest downhill series just announced they're running a race the week before our pro downhill series race at snow Valley, which is, you know, 20 minutes down the road, which okay. is part of the resort. They, they're all, it's all one resort there, which could be a really fun warm up race. If you're coming in from out of town to get there, you know, the week early and, and race that race. I think I'll be there. I'll be there for that race and my son will race it and I'm excited. Are you going to race it? The last thing I'm going to do is race right before, yeah, fly out to California to produce an event. Well, actually, I'll be driving our truck and trailer out there and then, you know, risk getting broke off on a race right before I got to produce the event. So probably not. Okay. Uh, so Snow Summit, what's that park like? Snow Summit is, it's funny because I don't know if, if people understand when I say this, but to me, it's like the Mountain Creek of the West Coast. Like the way Mountain Creek is positioned outside of New York City, it's a park that has a lot of poppy jumps. And does um, it have a sketchy water park next door? It does not. Have, <laughs> it does not have uh, Action Park attached to it, but it's it's similar. It reminds me of that. Sometimes you'll be there and it'll be packed. There'll be a lot of people. It's always like kind of like a more of a loud party vibe, which is what I love. So I think it's cool. It's a really fun mountain to ride at, and like uh, Ryan Wormsbecker and the crew, they build. They like jumps, and so that's why Ooh. I like it there. Okay, dude. Yeah, the jumps, and they got some poppy jumps too. Like some of the new stuff they built, I I test rode um, this past. I was out there this past summer. Some of the new stuff, and there's some big jumps in that. Uh, I can't remember the name of the trail right now, but in their main jump trail, there's some big jumps. It's good. So we're gonna do some X ups. Yeah. Well, hopefully I'll be on a downhill bike. No X ups. Maybe some T bogs. Okay. So right. something old school. It'll be a trick that definitely was invented in like the 80s. Okay. Cool. I love it. <laughs> All right, so moving on from California, we're shooting back across the east to our favorite U.S. Open. Yeah, coming back to Killington. We are back planning for the same track in Killington. I know there's been a lot of talk. We've we've talked about moving the track up to the K1 venue, but it's just a humongous process, like environmental clearance, yeah. the money to build the new track. We're working on it. We've GPS plotted it. We're working with the mountain. They want to see it. It's it's coming. It's just going to take a long time. So, But that being said, the the Ramshead track, the Goat Skull track, and, and I referenced this earlier, people, people wanted to talk a lot of smack about it before the first U.S. Open there. And, I mean, that track has put on two amazing races, like close races, awesome finishes you know thousand people standing around the corral just like taking their breath away you know like oh yeah ace of Vermette coming down and edging out greg menard to get edged out by dakota like amazing like it's just been a really good venue for us um and this year we have roughly you know it'll be roughly the same track we'll do some improvements some new jumps some things we try to change up the the man-made additions that happen to it every year last year we had a really cool like on-off jump that was completely different and Basically, you know, same. We'll do the big best whip jump there again, and everything else. It'll be, it'll be a party. It'll be good. I think it'll be probably one of the biggest ones we've ever had, based just off of the fact that now we'll be building into this and driving people to it all season long, and there'll be the points finale and everything there. So I'm excited about 
the energy that's going to come out of the U.S. Open this year. Awesome. And you mentioned Asa. That's been a question on a lot of people's minds. Is, Who's that? I've never heard of him. Is, is young Asa going to be able to play with the big boys Good in this question. race series? Good question. So first, I'll tell a quick funny story. Two years ago, I reached out to Asa and his family, and I was like, hey, I think you guys should race the open class. And, man, he was super hesitant to race the open class. Okay. Him and his father were like, I don't know. And at the last minute, they decided to. And I would say it was a good move. <laughs> yeah. So to answer your question, though, the interesting thing about that is we've been working really closely with USA Cycling. It's, it's been an interesting path for me. I was an anti-sanctioning guy back when I first started this whole business. And now I'm probably the biggest uh, advocate and proponent for USA Cycling to be more in line with downhillers. And I'm working very closely with them. And it's a long process. It's, it's, we are a little bit of an outlier as a downhill, as a sport. You know what I mean? We're not an Olympic sport. We're definitely, by numbers, one of the smaller participant sports. Um, but by eyeballs, people want to see it. So, yeah. And USA Cycling has really gotten on board with it over the recent years. They're excited about it. And so we're at this point now where we work together on trying to figure out how to make this national series the best. And one of the things that I brought up was we need to start to create more categories and give riders more latitude to move between categories when it's right to keep the racing good across the board. And so one of those moves was cat one categories for kids under 14. And I've been doing that with the US Open now for three or four years, and it's really changed the game. And now um, the reason for that is if you're all thrown into one category, if you're new and you're just getting into this and you get smoked by a kid who's amazing and should be moving up a category, you're this just one, you're you're discouraged. Be bombed. Yeah, you don't want to do it. Yeah. And if you're that kid and you can't move up and you're running into other races, racers who are just beginners, you're bummed. So it's like we have – it just didn't work. So we got that straightened out. And now another focus we've had – is it's crazy. I would say, you know, historically the 17, 18 year olds were the, what do we call junior X, right? Yeah. Junior experts and was always the most exciting category. And I would argue that the 15, 16 is the most exciting junior category now. And by the time you get to 17, 18, you just, there's kids in there that should just be racing pro. And so I really pressed the, you know, everyone at USA Cycling and we really dove into the rules and looked at it. And there's nothing that can keep those kids from becoming pro. So I think it's just a really been uh, kind of like perception of the rules for years. And, okay. and it's interesting. I, I thought we were creating a new rule. We're just actually clarifying an old rule. And so I can't answer for Asa, but he will be allowed to apply for pro status. And other athletes, you know, there's Ryder Lawrence and um, – I, I can't think off the top of my head right now. There's, just, there's a handful of kids at that age group that, um, and I don't want to call them out or anything here because this is going to be a really interesting period. But if you've already accomplished the accolades you're looking for in the junior class. Time to step it up. Time to step it up. Race for the money. And if, you know, we just uh, for years have seen this thing where it's like, oh, you know, the, the cat one seventeen eighteen 18-year-old time beat the pro time. It's like, why not just let that kid race pro? And they can. <laughs> so yeah. well that's awesome yeah it'll be it'll be 
it's not going to be like a del deluge. Is that the word? It's not like everybody's going to move over. It's yeah. going to be for a select few who meet the qualifications. But in turn, what that'll do is like you take a kid like Asa um, or any dominant Cat One junior kid, and if they do, they are able to make the jump to pro. That puts them in a position where they can get better sponsorship and get started on their career faster. I mean, there's you know an injury is always right around the bend or who knows, an economic downturn or something. So, like, why prevent them from going to, to make the money and start their career right now? Take that next step, yeah. Yep. And then on the other side of that, it'll open up those Cat 1 categories where, like... The racing gets better in that Yeah, category. the racing gets better. You don't have a kid who should be in pro in there. That's the goal. We'll see how it works, you know. And, again, it's going to be one of those things that we'll try to guide people and, and get it going. Um, another interesting thing that, that's come out of all of this work with USA Cycling is... Um, if you are a quote cat two three rider, you should apply for a cat two upgrade, because I think people don't realize because in downhill it's always combined, and I think the Northwest Cup is the only series that actually separates cat two and three. But I know on the East Coast everybody they, they just call themselves cat two three riders, and then when they want to become a cat one rider, you can't jump two steps. Oh, because you're because you're still categorized. Still, yeah, you could be two, winning. Three. Yeah, you could be winning cat three three races, but you never moved out of cat three. So it's like, you know, something we'll be encouraging people. We're gonna encourage people to really embrace some of the rules. I want to start to learn what is not right, you know, what's not right. And at the end of this year we'll have another round table. We'll work closer with USA Cycling. We're gonna really try to get this right and make it better for the sport to grow. Like I said, I was super anti-sanctioning body when I was in my 20s, when I started the U.S. Open and everything. I was fiercely unsanctioned. Um, but I've just learned that we're not going to create like the, the stadium level that we're looking for in this country without like organized structure and a ladder for kids to climb and adults to and like to really understand, you know, and something else with that, you know, giving the platform for, for a kid to potentially get a pro license early is great. But more so, just like we're interested in creating a platform for juniors to come up to, we want to make it so that you can become a pro later. Because right now, it's like if you race in the U.S. and you're 17 or 18 years old, you better be on your way to be a pro or like where you're you going to go. Yeah. But if you look at some of the most winning U.S. racers like Dakota, Gwynn, these guys weren't – they were in their 20s. And so we hope – you know, my plan with this is we create this platform and, and it allows athletes to race through the Cat 1, 17, 18, maybe up into Cat 1, 19, 29, turn pro when they're 21, hit their stride when they're 22. And, you know, maybe that's when they go win a World Cup by the time they're 25. Whereas those same kids without the platform in the U.S. would have just stopped racing at 17 or 18. That's a, so that's like a couple valid. Of, Yeah. Back to where we started in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry uh, for the long-winded answers, people. UCI points wise. How's yeah, that looking? Yep. Yeah, so we are a great question. And we're going to have to really keep diving into this stuff as we go out through the season. And my goal is, and this is something like to take a page from Nico's book with, with the way he runs downhill southeast and frameworks, like trying to be as forthcoming and honest with everybody as we can on this. We are currently like this first event is C2. We are trying to be level one with UCI so we can provide the most points. But UCI has these, you know, crazy standards that you have to have spend a year. Each event has to spend one year as a C2 before it can be a C1, which is, I mean, it's okay. It is what it is, but it's tough because like Mountain Creek's been a race for that was my all these question, years yeah. and it's been, it's been C2 multiple times and like, they're not, 
you know, we'll see. We're pushing. We'll see if we can get them up to a higher level, but at minimum, they'll all be C2. Okay. Good to know. All right, Clay, let's get into some fun stuff. <laughs> the one thing reading through all the comments on all the pages and Instagrams. You read and, all the comments? No, I definitely didn't. <laughs> Did you? I typically try not to, but obviously when we're launching something new, yeah, I sit there and read the comments. Okay. It's probably not the healthiest thing to do. A lot of keyboard warriors out there. A lot, there of, are. a lot of shoulda, coulda, wouldas <laughs> and stuff like that. So let's dive into like one of the main things is why are there not more West Coast races? I love this question. The <laughs> it, This was like I, would, I was got so frustrated at first when people were asking these questions. And then I, I started to realize like this is people being passionate and excited about what we're doing. And maybe it's just coming out in the wrong way, you know, like a little bit rough. These races are extremely difficult to get situated right to get a venue to get a venue that wants to to work with you and to get the the race set up it's not it's not a a switch we flip it doesn't happen like that at all as i said earlier the four races we have this year are all venues that i have long history of working with um they there's an element of trust they have to trust a third-party event promoter to come in and do a good job and they need to understand the investment they make in the event you know with the track structurally there's a big difference between what we're doing now with this series and what's happened in the past or how world cups work and that is that you know we own and operate these events we come into a venue and we don't come in like a world cup and put you know the venue doesn't come to us with hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash and resources and it's why there's not a lot of world cups in the u.s the value is not there for venues to do that. So we run a much more lean operation. And our goal is for a venue to be profitable with our race and build a relationship. And then we want to have more control over these races than there has been in the past where they've been just owned by all the independent venues. You know, we want to use the same course markings. We want to use the same rules, same prizing, same registration, same content coverage, everything. So when people say, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? it's just not that easy and it, it's also a financial risk so i own and operate this company right i'm a single owner llc this is my company i have a ton of great people we work with and partners and um from venues to brands we work with to just people on our squad that help put on these events it's not me by myself but our company takes a risk with each one of these and so it is just not as simple as Boom, there it is. You know, yeah. That being said, I do believe we need more events on the West Coast. I think it's crazy we don't have them because, like I said earlier, I grew up in New Jersey with a chip on my shoulder and felt so far away from the industry because it was all West and Rockies. And it's kind of funny that now it's the opposite. You know, it's just like anything. It's like politics. The pendulum just swings. But we are already in talks with multiple venues to add Rockies and more West Coast. We'll see how fast we can get it done. I hope that we can add at least one more for 2025, and it'll be, you know, west of the Mississippi. That's the goal. Cool. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. So anyway, you could, and this is this is a message from me to the keyboard warriors, if you could pose your complaint in the form of a question like, hey, how about this venue? That would be nicer. And I'll go look at it. Or, or DM me and send me a contact, and we'll go look at it together. Yeah. I mean, there were plenty of like, why are they not doing Snoqualmie or such and such? And yeah, 
I mean, it's funny. I could go through, like, if you had them, I could probably give you an answer on each one of those as to why we're not or if we're working on it. <laughs> I mean, because, like, you've done more research than these kids have or adults, whoever, these keyboard warriors. And, like, you know all these details that they don't, that they're not aware of. There was some some good back and forth info posted in there, like, you know, like, far service owning land mm-hmm. that doesn't allow races or events. Like, getting event permits for far service lands is really difficult. Mm-hmm. Insurances, uh, forest fire risk stuff yeah, yeah. which you've dealt with and there's and there's a lot of venues that just don't want to hold one they just simply don't want to hold one and there's a couple other things going on here too one we want to be very respectful of regional series so we don't want to steamroll a regional series we want to quite to the contrary like i am the biggest supporter of regional series they are more important than what we're doing period you know, if you were going to lose all your regional series or your national series, which would you miss first, right? So ma- massive respect to that. So as we move about the country and try to insert nationals, we want to make sure that we are working, you know, in together with a, with a regional series yeah. to make sure we're not impacting them in a negative way. And so that takes time, and that can also create situations where we just have to back away. You know, like, hey, there's not a venue we can use that doesn't impact them negatively. So, you know to what you said about this being a downhill Southeast race date that we're using. And that was a choice, you know, Nico made, mm-hmm. he wanted to see a big national here. So he, he, as the owner operator of the downhill Southeast made decision to do that and swap it around. We didn't pressure him to do that. That was his decision. That's part of it. Another interesting part of it is this is, is something, I guess I wanted to clear the air. I mentioned to you like USA cycling doesn't own this series. They sanction it. Monster Energy doesn't own the series. They're the title partner of the series, so they, they do support it heavily, but they don't own it. So when people comment, Monster's got tons of money, they should do this or that. They're right, they do, but they don't own the series, you know, and, and they're a brand. They're, you know, mountain bikers should drink more cans of Monster Energy if they want that. Like, it's, you know what I mean? It's just like it, everything's not as, like, cliche as these comments make it out to be. There's just, like, so many layers, and it's so deep, so... Well, it, it, it's good to give you the opportunity to, like, clear the air on that. Very conversationally here. Like, we yeah. could put it in a bullet-pointed list if you really need to know. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, there's, there's just – people just aren't aware of a lot of the, the details, and that's where the devil hides, and, you mm-hmm. know, that's what you got to look out for. 100%. And I appreciate – I, like – I really appreciate the people who come out with just positivity, right? Like, hey – Let's appreciate that we do have a national series and all this stuff, yeah. you know. But look, you know, we're laughing and talking about this. Ninety-nine percent of all feedback has been hell yeah, let's go. People are excited, so we probably shouldn't even talk about these other comments. <laughs> we're just giving it, giving it too much credence. Yeah, you mentioned some international riders were had interest in coming. If like, how does that work for an international rider? Like, do they need like a letter of invitation sometimes? So. Um, sometimes I get a request for that. I think that I, I don't even understand exactly what the requirement is for that, but that has to do with their country. And honestly, most cases it's somebody lives in another country and their university system is a little different than ours and they're enrolled in college and they need a letter to get the time off. I've experienced that, but as far as sanctioning body goes, just, you know, it's open to everybody. You just need a, either a USA Cycling license or a UCI International license to do it. So yeah, we've we've I mean with the US Open, we've had people from all over the world. I mean yeah. yeah, 
this last race? Yeah, we, we, we pull a lot from South America and like Canada. Europe is hit or miss. It depends on the schedule, like the flow, right? But um, we honestly, since day one, the U.S. Open has pulled from New Zealand and Australia, which yeah. is crazy. It's like we're big there. Like, that's that's awesome. like David Hasselhoff in Germany. A question I meant to ask you earlier. How do you think your schedule is jobbing with World Cup? We have no conflicts. Um, we complete, like We work hard to set it up that way. I wish the World Cup would spend a little more time creating calendar flow with you know national level event opportunities because it's in, look it's important that world cup pros can turn up to these things right they need to race within their own country to help build the sport you know not they don't owe us anything and not everyone every time but um i think it's important i think that things are going to change with the world cup right they're going to reduce the number of athletes and this conversation, you'll get a completely different answer out of me probably 24 months from now. But right now, you know, we work to not have any conflicts with the World Cup schedule, and it's not an easy thing to do because that's a little bit of a one-way street. Yeah. <laughs> but I think everybody knows that, you know. And it's the same problem in every country. It's just the calendar is the most, you know, if you're going to rank what I do, you know, my job, the, the calendar is the highest stress. It's figuring out the calendar. The second highest stress is figuring out the event partners to help finance it. And I've seen your calendar. Oh, you've <laughs> seen my my 365-line Excel spreadsheet calendar? I think it goes beyond that. I think it goes a little bit into January, at least yeah. a week. I wish there was more than 365 days in a year. <laughs> if we could just get more weekends, this whole thing would be easier. I like more weekends. <laughs> well, cool. We've not even gotten into the 24 season yet. It's a couple weeks away. Or it's a month away, but I'm thinking downhill southeast is a couple of weeks. TTC. What, yep, TTC's coming up. What's got you really excited for this season? Ooh, uh, everything we just talked about. I think that I am, on a, on a personal level, you mean? Yeah. Like me personally, I'm really excited that I'm finally getting to do some things that I've dreamed about doing for years and years. You know, I've made some big investments, you know, bought a truck and a trailer. I'm going to be driving across the country. Like I'm running that rig across the country. You know, I'm looking forward to that. I love like being down on the ground level with mm -hmm. all this stuff, you know, getting my hands in the dirt. So like, I guess this sounds kind of psychotic, but I'm excited for the work. Like I love it. So cool. I really enjoy it. Um, it's funny being a former athlete, putting on events is really similar, similar feelings, similar adrenaline rush and like, Getting I mean, it. I saw you in that corral at the U.S. Open. Getting like, your right. stoke was high. Yeah, I get, I, I get into it. Like, yeah. I love it, you know. You have to be. I, there's no other reason anybody would do what I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be nuts. Well, we're super excited to be a part of this, and really thank you for your time coming on, you know, clearing some air, giving us some good details. Psyched to hear that SoCal venue drop finally. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one. Yeah, and uh, registration is open. Registration's open. People can go to prodownhillseries.com and click in from there or just go to our Instagram. Um, it's The bike reg is linked through everywhere. Nice. Well, cool. Uh, uh, Clay, man, I guess let's call it a night. Let's. Cheers, buddy. Thanks, man. Will, I agree so much with this concept of racer development. There's been a 
pretty huge gap between racing your local series and progressing to the World Cup races for far too long. And I think a proper national series with sponsors and money and media coverage, that's what we need to fill the gap. I couldn't agree more, Drew. And, you know, I, I've been around the scene for a while now, started announcing downhill in 2009, which is actually right when the previous national series, the Pro GRT, kind of got started up and it had an up and down tenure. It, it was actually providing some automatic qualifications for the United States World Championships team if you were the points leader in that series. So, I mean, it was getting some good attendance, uh, but ultimately... Uh, was not able to sustain and kind of provide what was needed uh, for top-level downhill racing. And to your point on rider development, I couldn't agree with Clay more. I mean, I remember seeing rider after rider that were just high-quality 17-, 18-year-old riders that totally could have been racing pro if they had an opportunity. But the jump to Europe was just way too much, especially back in 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17 and you know, before the momentum we have today. And I mean, a name comes to mind, Jay Festerman. If you guys have been in the scene for a while, he is the same age as Luca Shaw, and he was Luca's main rival. He was from North Carolina, just as good as Luca. He had a chance to go to the World Cup with Yeti um, back in the day, but you know, turned 19, didn't have a ride. So he just stopped racing bikes completely. And I know that having this high-quality national series is going to provide the opportunities that those young pros need to develop their career. Yeah, I'm really thankful for it. I know that a lot of these racers will be too. And you know what? There's no shame. If you don't make it, you don't make it. But, you know, we got to have races to make it worth even trying. And that's what I love about this. So, yeah, we're, we're going we're, we're, we're gonna to see where this goes. But I'm thinking with this race series and the longevity that it feels like it's going to have, I think, you know, four or five years from now, we're going to have more Americans uh, that can challenge some of those French riders that uh, continue to just give it back to us, you know? Yeah, I I believe in it, Drew. I totally believe this is going to be a huge success. You can hear the passion in Clay's voice and the commitment that he has behind this. And you also heard the thought process that went into launching this thing. And the timing's right. You know, I'll echo the sentiments from the interview it is the perfect time to launch this series. And if you look at some of the junior racer numbers, I did a little research. So looking back at a pro GRT from 2017, they had a combined 15 to 18 cat one class. Well, there were 14 riders in that class. We look at the very first downhill Southeast of the season at the 17, 18 category. So not a combined 15, 18, but just 17, 18. And there's 26 riders registered in that class. And you know, it's the first race of the season. It's out in the middle of nowhere. We're going to see numbers almost twice as high as that as we go through the downhill Southeast season. Um, and you look at the uh, 16 and under cat one category, there's 16 riders in that class at TTC as well. So we're on to something and it's certainly the right time for this new series so that all these talented young racers can thrive in the United States. Yep. Well, I love to see it. And guys, TTC, Sequatchie, Tennessee, what's going on this weekend? Let's go racing. And if you can't make it, then tune in to the Downhill Southeast YouTube channel and you can watch the entire race replay brought to you by the Gravity Cooperative and our friends at SRAM Rock Shocks. So we got a lot of work to do uh, between now and when that video is posted, Drew, but It'll all be worth it. 
So I think we got to wrap up this episode of the Hot Seat Podcast. It's been a pleasure, my friend, and uh, we're going to get to it this weekend. That's right. And homies, if you are a Cat 3 and you meet that criteria to Cat Up 2, put your requests in, just like Clay said in the interview. Also, we're going to have some merch soon. I know I keep saying it, but it's going to happen. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on YouTube. Follow us on Spotify, your favorite podcast platform. It's race time. Let's go. Hey, I've still got a USA Cycling license number. I got to check my categories and make sure I'm catted up and ready to go. That's right.